0: You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at bonecur.net. That's b o n c o e u r.net and use the code citycast 20
1: Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about the Portland Bureau of Transportation proposing an increase in enforcement for parking and expired vehicle registrations, a long standing hip hop showcase pointing to a venue owner's political affiliations for severing ties, and Portland Public Schools gearing up for $30 million in budget cuts that will ultimately lead to less social and emotional supports for students. Joining me on this week's Friday News Roundup to dig into all of this are Will Week's Potlander column author Brianna Wheeler. And and our very own executive producer, John Atariani. It's Friday, February 16th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Welcome, everyone, to the Friday News Roundup. Brianna, John, lovely to have you both here. Hey. Lovely to be here. If you're new to the show, today is a day we break down some of the biggest local stories of the week with some of the best and brightest journalists in town. But before we jump into the news, as most of you know, I like to ask all of our guests an opening question to get us started. And this opening question was specifically crafted to get John to share a very (laughs) harrowing incident that just happened to him, partially because it's harrowing, but mostly because it proves me right. So... February is the final stretch of winter, and it also tends to be the month a lot of us Portlanders decide to take a trip for warmer and sunnier weather. So it made me wonder if either of you had any travel fail stories that you would like to share. It could be Portland-related or not. John, why don't you go ahead, please, take the mic. Well,
2: it's funny
0: that you bring (laughs) up this topic, Claudia, because I, in fact, do have a story. So I'm actually recording from San Diego. I'm down here for a couple days and uh, flew out on Tuesday night on an Alaska Airlines flight out of PDX. About 10 minutes into the flight, the pilot got on the mic and said, well, as you probably noticed, we had not noticed, We just hit a flock of birds (gasps) (laughs) and we need to go back to PDX. And he was was like very casually reassuring. He's like, don't worry. The plane's still fine, but we hit a flock of birds and feel like we should go back to the airport. (laughs) So I, I will give Alaska Airlines a huge amount of credit. They managed to get another plane and get it ready and get us back in the air within, like, 90 minutes. Um, it wow. was actually a very impressive uh, sort of logistical jump. Shout out to Alaska <laughs> Airlines. So sorry to everybody on that flight who was trying to make it to Orlando that night. I don't think they made it. But, yeah, that was my exciting uh, midweek travel adventure. Flock of birds. Uh, sorry to them as well. Out of all of us, that flock of birds clearly had the worst time.
1: (laughs) They deserve that apology. Um, John, you know, of course I'm like, dang, when you texted me that I was like, oh no, that's awful. But then I was just like, remember the Boeing? Were you here for that, Brianna? I don't know who was here, Oh, but I had like a Boeing breakdown about how awful Boeing was. And not only that. Adjacently, how Alaska has been slipping. And John, (laughs) he not only poo pooed, (laughs) he minimized a lot of my concerns with, like, I'm from Detroit, I'm ready to die whenever, baby. (laughs) <laughs> and then this happened.
0: <laughs> so I was talking with my mom about this the other night. and She's like, yeah, you remember that one time I was visiting Portland and we flew out of Minneapolis and birds cracked the windshield and the plane had to return to Minneapolis. So, oh, my God. Uh, so this is like, I guess, a running theme in my family is running into flocks of birds in commercial flights in and out of Portland. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God.
0: So top that, you guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you're safe because that is, isn't that why like Captain Sully had to do an emergency landing in, onto the Hudson River with a flock of birds? Yeah,
0: well, well, I've read a lot about this. That was unusual. I have spent a lot of time reading about collisions of birds and planes in the last 48 hours. <laughs> that was a, a deeply unusual one because they very rarely hit both engines simultaneously. So that's why that was special. That's <laughs> not what happened to us. There was no miracle on oh. the Columbia this week uh I made it back I made it back into PDX safely I ate a lot of gummy bears and now I'm in San Diego.
1: Yay, that's all that matters.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: What about you Brianna? Can you top that? Uh sh- one
2: time I was at PDX waiting for a flight and a- and then the plane arrived and it was covered in dead birds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, really? Wait, are you serious? No? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! You, I'm—we're so gullible. John and I were like, no, because we were just talking about that. <laughs> what else can I say? There's no topping that. You net. guys have
0: the rest of the podcast from here, right? I'm, yeah, I'm you're out. right, John. You
1: win. That's all, that's the only question. That's all. That's it. <laughs> Great job. All right. Before we move on to the news, I just want to do a shout out. Like, if you have any good ideas for opening questions, longtime listeners, you know the vibe. Please send them over to portland at citycast.fm. It would really, really help me out. I used to have a bud who would help me come up with them, but he's been super busy running one of the most popular restaurants in St. John's as of late. Humble brag. (laughs) So I need your help. Thank you. Shout out the restaurant. Pasa Vito Doro. What's up? All right. Hey. On to the news of the week. Brianna,
2: what's your story? Okay. It's my vibe. It's my theme to come on here and talk about Portland Public Schools. So we got the news uh, Wednesday evening. The PPS budget cuts have arrived. And word from the district officials is that 30 million is being cut from next year's budget. So this is kind of like the first like repercussion of the Three-week teacher strike that happened in November, and that ended with uh, you know a cost of living adjustment for teachers over the next couple of years. It was less than what they asked for. It was they got something like fourteen percent and asked for close to twenty-five. Anywho, the superintendent, Guadalupe Guerrero, he sent us all a letter, all of the parents, and he was kind of outlining the district's plans on how to spend the reserve funds, it's still leave five percent of that minimum savings that the school board requires. And uh, we're hoping to negate the impact to students. Huh. Mm. Uh, he said 15 million of the cuts are gonna come from the central office budget, and then 6% from the overall administrative budget. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 15 million would be spread out over 86 different schools. It's like 2% of the um, building budget. So already the teachers did not get the raises that they wanted. Mm. And also, a part of this email from Guadalupe Guerrero was uh, him anticipating that. Um, Schools are going to see the teacher-to-student ratios increase, which was another point of contention Mm -hmm. during the strike. So I dug into Julia Silverman's piece. She reported this for The Oregonian. So she talked to a bunch of teachers, uh, and she talked to them like secret. They all requested anonymity. And the overall tone there is that in these early stages of cutbacks, it's all social and emotional supports that are being cut, you know, school counselors, behavior specialists, uh, then the teachers who like lead art and music is all kind of in the same sphere, Uh, even physical education, enrichment classes. So part of like these budget cuts, like one of the reasons that will get laid out is um, because of low enrollment, because students are bouncing, they're getting less money from the government. And meanwhile, cutting all of the vital supports that we need to keep these kids in schools. So for parents like me who have kids in special education, it's, you know, oh, you think you're going to get a little something and then they take it away and then they ugh. give you a little bit of something and they take it away.
0: Mm, yeah, I mean, I was reading this and was just sort of flashing back to Claudia, the conversation we had a week or two ago. About the fire department, and they're looking at budget cuts. And one of the things that's being floated there is cutting Portland Street response. You know, oh! and and Renee Gonzalez, who oversees that bureau, what he sort of said in explanation was um something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing here, that like there just isn't a lot of fat to cut, you know, that there isn't a lot of things beyond core services. And the point is, in both of these circumstances, when you look at what Programs feel "quote unquote" extraneous. It turns out to be the ones that help the most vulnerable people. The Absolutely. programs yeah. that that mm-hmm. support the people who need the most help. Like those are yes. the first things to go. Like whether uh-huh. it is Portland Street Response or like assisting special needs children. And it's just ugh.
1: Mm. that's such a good point. Something that Guerrero, uh, Superintendent Guerrero, added on top of like, hey, we're going to probably see more, you know, teacher to student ratios. Is that he said, with few exceptions the district will preserve students' access to visual and performing art classes, physical education, and libraries. But I'm just like, mm-hmm. what are those few exceptions? Where are those yeah. schools? You exactly. know, just... Yeah, and I mean, really what we're getting here is, hey, a lot of... uh I guess like annoyance and pain is coming. We don't know quite what it is, but it's mm-hmm. coming. That's what I'm hearing. Cause there's like a meeting that's coming up, uh, to tonight. We're taping this, uh, on Thursday morning, but at 5 30 p.m., there will be a, uh, PPS community budget review committee meeting, but mm-hmm. John, you had you were just like nothing's going to happen. <laughs> I well, want to know why. Like, what you know? Totally. Well,
0: okay. Like my read is that you know the community advisory board is just that. It's like a chance for the community to weigh in and sort of tell them how they think changes in policies are going to affect the community. I think it's pretty clear that cutting a $30 million out of the budget for the Portland public school system is going to be bad for the community, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's just no way they're going to say anything other than, like, this sucks and uh, this is atrocious.
1: How are you feeling about this, Brianna? I mean, you you actually have skin in the game.
2: If I bounce from Portland, if you see me move out of Woodlawn, it's going to be because of this. Mm. This wow. is going to be the primary reason. It's yeah. that serious. Like, it's it's gnarly. Because I'll have the most impassioned conversations with like my child's core team Mm -hmm. and the frustrations that we have because of uh, superintendents, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. of administration, Uh, the amount of red tape that we have to go through to get the most basic things done, things that are constitutional rights for me and my family. I mean, it's just, it's, it's wild. And a lot of like this placating, like, well, come to the information session, come let your thoughts be heard. Well, I can be angry at home. That's cool. Like, <laughs> I don't need to travel to yeah. be angry with other people in groups. That's that's not my vibe. And
0: I'm sure that there's a lot of other parents who feel just like you, you know, mm-hmm. um, who have sort of seen these problems with the Portland public school system and gone through this COVID era and then this, like, strike that just felt so disruptive and that are just like, screw it. Like, there's other school districts. Absolutely. And as more parents pull their students Out of PPS, like we know, the budget is tied to enrollment. So as enrollment goes down, there's less money. I don't know.
2: It's an unsolvable problem, it seems like. Uh, It's a snake eating its own tail. You know, add this to the fact that it's becoming just unlivable in the city anyway. Can't afford to live here anyway. And also my kid can't go to school. And also uh, crime, 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 drugs, drugs, drugs. It's just... God damn it. Jeez, give us a break. Get off our necks.
0: Yeah. I mean, and and again, like the only point I'll I'll make on top of that is like, you know, when the strike was going on and wrapping up, there's a lot of talk about funding at a state level, you know. And to my read, that's essentially where this is going to need to be fixed, right? Hmm. Like, you know, you can debate and like there's lots of valid criticisms of the Portland Public School Board and its leadership. But at the end of the day, they only have so much money to work with. And exactly. like without the state funding at a higher level, there's going to need to be some hard choices somewhere.
2: Yeah. Rachel Saslow wrote an interesting piece for the weekly, and it was, was it, right before the strikes. And it was talking about the the fundraisers that uh, happen in the more affluent communities and how much money they raise and how that stays in those schools. So that's, that's the future that we're looking at, I think. And then, you know, schools and neighborhoods like mine, which isn't even... I mean, I live in a perfectly lovely neighborhood. It's not like mo- most neighborhoods in Portland. Um, but to think that like a neighborhood a mile and a half to my east, millions of dollars, my neighborhood, we can't get special education teachers.
1: <laughs> Has anyone uh, let Commissioner... Carmen Rubio know about this?
0: <laughs> Carmen Rubio and her, her her bucket of magic money.
1: Do you think maybe her clear energy fund could somehow bring hope to us all? Let's write a letter.
0: It's a joke, but it's also like, maybe? maybe <clears throat> actually?
1: Maybe? Dear maybe. magic money. Maybe? Please come here to school. <laughs> well, Brianna, thank you so much for bringing us a story. I know that it affects you personally and greatly. Um, I can't even imagine how frustrating it is because I I also remember in reading it that Guerrero hinted, like, because of the November contract, now we have to do these. And I was like, boy, the shade. (laughs) I'm saying it's like this all the time. Oh my God, Uh, petty. Every so fucking petty. Okay, that's that's all. I just want before we move on, I just wanted to point that out, you know, because we were. Yeah, of course. We were all taking the high road. And I was like, no, no, no. Let's 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 dive down a little bit. (laughs) All right. Well, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, more headlines of the week. So, John, what do you have for us this week? I've got a little bit of
0: neighborhood gossip
1: uh, based in
0: some reporting from Andrew Jankowski at Willamette Week, kind of supplemented by just stuff that I've been reading on social media, people giving little bits and pieces. Uh, And I'm talking about what I would say is Portland's most well-known hip-hop concert series, The Thesis. Um, It's produced by Max Smith and Verbs. They've been doing it since like 2014. It's a big deal. It's like the center of the Portland hip-hop community, I'd say. Well, they've been doing this show. They've been getting like a ton of attention for like Portland's growing hip-hop community. Well, they just announced that they are breaking up with their longtime venue. Kelly's Olympian downtown Um, Kelly's has been around for like 120 years um, but like right before their February 1st show they went online and said we're not doing it at this venue anymore and I want to quote directly from the social media post that the organizers of the thesis put out because there's a lot in here all right so quote while Kelly's Olympian has been a safe place for hip-hop music and progressive culture the recent ownership decision to announce their alignment with far-right candidate Renee Gonzalez on the day of the Thesis nine-year anniversary, followed by a ban on multiple artists of color, followed by severing the relationship with the venue manager we've worked with since day one. The venue's demand to charge for the show, effectively taking money out of the hands of Thesis artists, it has become clear that our community is no longer welcomed." There's a lot there. <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. Ooh, what do you guys think?
1: Woof! I really like the jab they gave. I mean, I feel like every Portland anything should just automatically just should have a, a Gonzalez jab. Like, I just... <laughs> I mean, increasingly,
0: it does. That's
1: where we're going, you know. You're like, no, thanks to Gonzalez. Just like, ma'am, this is a this is a Burger King. (laughs) Like,
0: I love that it's not an Arby's. It's a Burger King, and it's a Burger
1: King. It's a little classier. I don't know why we're discussing politics at a Burger King. No, but um, but I I appreciated that. I just was like, wow, guys, you know.
0: Um, do you want me to break down this Gonzalez thing a bit, though, like like what the backstory is?
1: Well, didn't he didn't he have like a party there at, at the Kelly's Olympia?
0: Yeah. So Gonzalez, he's a, a city commissioner. He's running for mayor. He did a launch party at Kelly's. Olympian. uh, That was the same night that The Thesis was holding an event later that evening. Um, They didn't overlap, but I can imagine that the end of the Gonzalez party and the people coming to set up for The Thesis, not necessarily the same crew of people. But it goes a little bit deeper. And this is sort of where we get into some conjecture. Like, the owner of Kelly's Olympian is this guy, Ben Stutz. And, you know, he's had the building since like 2005. Like, Right in that neighborhood, there's been a lot of, like, gnarly stuff going on recently. Like, you remember that big open-air fentanyl market that, like, got a ton of attention last year that we talked about on this show? That was right across the street from where Kelly's Olympian is. So he's been pretty outspoken about, you know— the problems that downtown is facing. And it makes sense why a candidate like Renee Gonzalez, who is sort of putting himself out there as like more of a law and order cleanup Portland candidate, is really appealing to this guy. Um, There also are public records that showing Stutz and his wife donated to Gonzalez's mayoral campaign back in Mm. 2022, which like, you know, is not an endorsement on behalf of Kelly's Olympia in the bar. But um, yeah, I mean, that's where a lot of this is coming from.
2: Yeah. Do you think that these last few years have maybe kind of radicalized that owner, like the way that his neighborhood has evolved and now he's like, well, fuck a community?
1: I think so. I mean, how could they not? Like, I feel like a lot of downtown business owners really are, you know, Gonzalez's message is resonating with them because, I mean, John, do you remember when we we spoke to just business owners here in North Portland? Like, they really felt ignored. Mm -hmm. You know, mm-hmm. not only by, you know, the city, by by the police. And here's this candidate that's telling them everything they want to hear. Yeah. And it also seems to, like, back it up, you know, to the chagrin of everyone else on council, like, <laughs> five minutes before anything's supposed to happen. Like, you know, he is actually moving his agenda forward. Um, mm-hmm. And so I can see why they would rally behind him.
0: I mean, here, here's a quote from Stutz in that Willamette Week article I mentioned. Quote, uh, I would like more police patrols. Just walk the street, go in and deal with people, make it uncomfortable for people to break the law. I'd also like to see the governor get some state police and National Guard out there. Right. So he's like, yeah, we want police to come in and do it, which is just interesting when you think about the collision between this guy who's like has an investment in a building that's expensive downtown and that building is like renowned as a safe space for people to like form community and it seems like these two interests are kind of directly opposed at this moment
1: yeah and just to give a bit more context like historically speaking the Portland hip hop scene has always been overpoliced. Yes. Those oh, were the yeah. shows that were routinely shut down. Those were the yes. shows that, mm-hmm. you know, so the thesis, I mean, it's right there. If you go to their site, it says the thesis was born out of a history of over-policing at Portland hip hop shows, as well as general lack of support of black music and the black community. I mean, that was their whole grounding. So I can imagine that, as you were just saying, Brianna, the political shift, you know, the political tide is shifting downtown with certain, you know, more progressive business owners uh, wanting more police presence, wanting more more of these things that, again, understandable from their point of view, and I can also see why. Yeah, the thesis would not want to be there, and mm-hmm. totally. Luckily, they're a really popular concert series. I mean, they had people like Mike Capes, ill Mac. I mean, the Last Artful Dodger had done sets there. I mean, mm-hmm. the Last Artful Dodger is huge now. You know, yeah. when. Freaking Damien Lillard would show up. You know, it was just yeah. a place for everybody. And he wouldn't get harassed. It was just chill. It was like, yeah, we're here to enjoy this music. So mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm I'm really happy this isn't the end for the thesis. And I hope they find a better mm-hmm.
0: home. Yeah. You know, and the, the part that is kind of shady to me on this, like even putting aside all these questions about political leadership, part of the question was, um, You know, the the venue had said that they wanted to start charging these guys to put on this show. They said that they wanted to start charging the thesis to produce the program in their venue, which like, okay, this group has been Mm -hmm. like not only like creating this amazing community in this space, but bringing business into your bar mm -hmm. for like nearly 10 years. And like now you want to charge them money. Like that's the point where I was like, yeah, get out of there. Like you guys are good enough. The thesis is not ending. You can find any number of other places in town that would be, like, happy to host this. And that's what they're saying. They're going to come back. They haven't decided where, but they are in talks with other venues that, like, could be the new home of the thesis.
1: I will say, though, as a person who's played in music in town, that is traditional for a venue to charge you for the front of house, for the door person. They take that out of your earnings. Yeah. It's a thing. So I'm, I'm just saying, like, the deal they had, at Kelly's Olympian is usually not the norm. And it's awesome they had it. It's a great deal. But the owner is somehow saying like, hey, I'm not making enough in the bar or times are tough or whatever. That's his right to ask for that. But the Mm -hmm. thesis gets to go somewhere else and good luck filling that void, you know? Yeah. yeah, But yeah. I also heard, didn't you, John, you buzzed around in my ear. You're just like, well, there's more to this because like now they want to turn it to an EMD den or something. <gasps> EDM, yeah. Oh, I, I'm sorry, EDM. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? So
0: another wrinkle of this is that the venue manager is leaving as well. Um,
1: Naylene Silva.
0: Naylene Silva, which full disclosure, Claudia and I used to work with Naylene at OPB. He's a wonderful guy. Awesome but guy. he had like a pretty like... You know, I, I wouldn't say that it was, like, as fiery as the thesis statement, but, like, he, he made a point on social media being, like, I'm not happy about this either. He says, quote, they want to have more EDM nights and develop their karaoke program. That path is not my path. I wish them well. Right. So, like, there is also a sort of shift in, like, the the goals of what they're trying to do with that space away from what mm-hmm. it has been for the last 10 years, which, like. You know, even beyond the thesis, I've seen so many good shows at Kelly's Olympian, right? right? They have been a reliable space for local music and like other creative projects to thrive. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if I had an uh, up-and-coming EDM act, maybe I'd be excited about this. But like, that's the right? gossip. That's the gossip in the water right now. I was. Yeah. It
1: was already hard for me to wrap my mind around the thesis being at a downtown biker bar, and now EDM is just kind of funny. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Who oh, does is this owner like? Is he a biker guy? Is he like tatted from his neck to his ankles? Is he is he just a investor type of suit type of guy? No, yeah,
0: he's he's just he he moved to Portland in 1987 to practice law and then got into.
1: Real oh thing.
2: my fucking! There God.
1: we go. <laughs> there it is. We're gonna move on, but there was a tweet that was uh, thrown at us completely random about it. Basically said, "I'm ready to give up on your show." John is great, but Claudia is clearly a closet Republican. And I was so (laughs) offended because John is fine. You know what I mean? Like, he's okay. Like... (laughs) (laughs)
0: I I agree with the first half of that tweet. I have no opinion on the second half. I was
1: like, John, calm down. He's okay. But I understand the closet Republican because I feel like I'm always like, well, the business owner has some reason. I think it's like because my mom was a business owner because Mm -hmm. so many immigrant people are business owners and Mm -hmm. they just get stomped on all the time. That's tea. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Money don't play politics. Like money Mm. is not Democratic or Republican.
1: Yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there one because i thought brianna you would you would enjoy that the most out of all of our contributors
2: i enjoyed that
0: (laughs) and and for my part thank you random commenter i
1: (laughs) i agree i am pretty great no joke i read that and i was like john is great i was like i mean i totally agree with your probably second half. I can see why you would think that. I'm always like Tom you know, McCall.
0: The first half is the part you quibble with. You're like, Klaus a Republican. I can hear that, but John is know. great.
2: <laughs> who, are, who is this?
1: Should I start a shadow tweet just to be like, he's okay.
2: <laughs> Whoever tweeted that to you guys is losing their <sighs> mind right now.
1: <laughs> John, I love you. You know, I'm just
2: joking.
0: If you have feedback, send us an email. <laughs> Portland at citycast.fm
1: oh, Anyhow, uh, but- <laughs> My story this week is how Peabot, is still facing a $32 million budget deficit, has come up with a new idea on how to fill in some of those zeros. Now, they want to hire 28 new parking officers to help rack up parking ticket fees from us Portlanders. Mm-hmm. Now, the agency also wants to add a 20-cent credit card fee on all of their parking meters. So if you don't know, Peabot needs money. Like yesterday, it's in a financial hole. And if it doesn't find funds soon, it could lay off something like 118 city employees. So, like, this isn't Whoa. like a, this is no joking around zone, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, if you turned into last Friday's Roundup, you might remember that Commissioner Carmen Rubio had committed to throwing some money over from the city's super profitable magic uh, clear energy fund, but that could not cover the entire uh, budget deficit. So, PBOT, who has been facing this uh, deficit for years, is looking internally, which they should. They should look inside themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is a thing that's gonna that that has been building for years, you guys. Because Peabot's primary source of operating revenue comes from the state highway trust fund. People are driving electric, sure. so they're they need new money. You know, mm-hmm. so Peabot's plan is to hire these, uh, you know, parking officers. Twenty-eight of them, six to patrol for expired vehicle registrations, and the rest for patrolling parking meters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think?
0: Uh, Follow-up question. Yes. Do you
2: guys pay parking meters?
1: Oh, yes, of course I do. Oh my God, John, you don't pay parking
2: meters? I always do. <gasps> I've okay. You're the second person who's asked me that and been like incredulous that I do.
0: I, I've heard so many people that just like don't pay parking meters at you don't
1: get tickets? I yes. feel like I yeah. always get tickets.
0: So at one point like last year, I was looking for some office space for us and there was like this really nice, like sort of downtown pearl-ish space. And I was like, what's the parking situation? They're like, well, it's only street parking, but, like, nobody is giving tickets on this block, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of parts of the city where there is just sort of this tacit understanding that, like, parking patrols are very low. And that there are a lot of people who just, like, roll the dice. And I guess
1: I've been real lucky in that parking (laughs) (laughs) ticket department. (laughs) I always get caught. Like I've never been able to get away with anything. T, I always pay yeah. my parking. I yeah. know. Is it do you think it's cuz are from like LA and like they don't fuck around in LA? Oh no, Friend. they will, they will. Friend. Yeah. They will tow your shit. They will I was about to say they will tow your shit. They will tow your shit. Um
2: oh, I I actually have a a tattoo of a classic Parking meter. Mm. You have a parking meter tattoo? Let me describe. Yes, I have a tattoo of a classic parking meter because <laughs> I lost a couple of cars to parking in Long Beach, California, oh because parking was so intense. And I would, do, I would be like, man, I live here. I li- Why can't I park in front of my house? Why am I paying exorbitant amounts of money to park in front of my house? Mm. Well, they showed me. And they towed my
1: car. I just want to give you a quote. uh, Peabot director, Millicent Williams, uh, said it would be a very important and less than painful pinch point for people than I believe is anticipated or expected. In fact, what we learned is most people don't know how much they pay for parking. And I kind of agree with her there. Like, if you're parking downtown, not using public transportation or ride sharing or biking or whatever, pay the man. Pay the Mm -hmm. man. Yeah. But... An increase of tickets for expired registration could really affect those who are already struggling. Like most people who don't renew their car registration aren't doing it just to be contrary, like John. They just can't afford it.
0: I renewed my car (laughs) registration. Thank you very much.
1: John's like, wait, (laughs) do you guys renew (laughs) your car registration? So, so all I've said is like piling up on them, like piling up on people who can't afford their car registration is like another poor people tax, you know, and I don't know. Yeah. Well,
0: and there was this big parking registration amnesty over COVID, right? Right. Like there was yeah. this big period, but they're like, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. And the idea that that's going to snap back with like really fierce enforcement is really scary. So yeah. I saw the stat, you know, there's about a million vehicles registered in Portland it's estimated that 460,000 of them are eligible for renewal, like nearly half of the cars, at the vehicles in oh, Portland. And this is why. from the Peabot director. This is from Millicent Williams, told Coin, 460,000 of them are eligible for renewal.
1: That's why they're coming for their money.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, PSA, check check your car registration. If you haven't done it in a while, open <laughs> yeah. that glove compartment. Totally. Check it out. <laughs> They're coming for you.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. And pay your parking meter. Oh, my God, John. <laughs>
0: I'm, just, I'm just telling you what I heard. I'm just telling you what I hear on the street, Claudia.
1: I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, hearing that half of cars aren't registered, I'm like, well, That's you know, wild. I'm sure not yeah. half of them can't afford it. I'm sure, like, a little bit of what you said, John, like, they're just out of the practice. Because I remember, you know, uh, my girlfriend's car, she left it here when she went for grad school. And so I had it for years that entire time was not registered because she of course she forgot and I and I was driving it around no one said anything I wasn't you know like when you find out like I was like well I've been driving a car without a registration I could have died you know again yeah. from LA <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just shoot you out there if you don't have a registered car
2: you meet your maker that day yeah. oh god
1: <laughs> we're, we're, seriously, we're scared straight um. Yeah. You raised your hand. Yes, John. Yes, please.
0: Um, <laughs> the, the one thing I'll add is like, it's interesting looking at these numbers. Like, PBOT has a $32 million shortfall. PPS has a $30 million shortfall, which we were just talking about. The numbers are really similar. And like, PBOT has the ability to increase revenue themselves in a way that PPS doesn't, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure like, if PPS could tax freaking. I don't know. What can you tax in a school tax school lunches? I mean, that sounds like a hor- actually a horrible thing to do.
1: <laughs> wow. I
0: like that sounds like a horrible thing to do as soon as it came take out. It back, I'm, like,
1: it <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 if no. PPS
0: no. could like increase the tax to like fund education. That yeah. would, you know, be a very different situation rather than just like having to cut essential services, which wow. like,
1: yeah. No, valid point. But also at Anthrophage. Uh, From X, did you just hear that John wanted to tax school lunches? How great is John now? How great! My first
0: thought was to tax pencils, and I was like, "That's a stupid thing." So you're like, "Oh, let's just
1: go for for tax lunches."
0: How much could a school lunch cost? Really? I
1: don't know. Twenty dollars? Like sixty (laughs) dollars? Oh man! All right. Well, guys, thank you for hanging out with me, going through some headlines of the week. John, you are great. Uh, and so are you, Brianna. You
0: are great too, Clark.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks. Back at you.
0: Even if you're a closet
2: Republican.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you better get in that closet with her. <laughs> Tom McCall was a wonderful governor. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I will, I will die on that hill. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thank you so much for listening. Our executive producer is John Atariani. Our producer is Julia Fioglioni. Our newsletter editor is Rachel Monaghan. And our host is me, Claudia Meza. Original music by Jenny Conley and Steven Drizos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound and All the Kimonos. Just a quick note that we will be taking Monday off for the holiday weekend, so you'll see us back in your feed on Tuesday. We hope you have a great weekend. Until then, see you at Slims.